What's up, guys? Welcome into Four Checking TV Season One, Episode Seven. Here we are down to the semifinals of the NHL playoffs of 20, 2020, 2021 season. Here, the, the odd season we all have called it uh, since it's been shortened. As always, TK here with Scotty and Doug. Our special guest, Mr. Nolan Baseline, is joining us today. What's going on, Nolan? How you doing? So much. Glad to be back. Been busy with work, so I haven't been able to hop on as many, but always a good time whenever I'm able to get back on. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's start off. I know there's only two games left. Um, we talked about a couple of the little the last second round, so we'll just touch on them real quick since we looked at it. Um, of course, Vegas topping Colorado in that four to two uh, series win. Yeah, um, Colorado started out two nothing. Vegas won four straight. So um, let's touch on this real quick. Whoever wants to uh, talk about how Colorado brutally failed and uh, crapped themselves when it came to that series. You're just going to hear this a lot from me over the course of this show when we ever go over playoffs. I know nothing about hockey. Like, I have no – like, what the hell is going on? Like, you have two of the most average teams in the league, in your league semifinals, going up against an expansion team and a team who legally committed cap circumvention. Yes. It's just it's it's a literal meme, man. It's a literal fucking meme, and I love it. I'm pulling so hard for Islanders and uh, Montreal in the Stanley Cup final, just because like I want to know the ripple effects. I want to wake up every morning to people saying that uh, you know we need to make Chris Russell relevant again. Need to be a great NHL player or whatever, you know. It's just like it's just nuts that like this is where we're at. Like I could see some stuff like this going down like 15 years ago, but like the league's way too skilled now for this to be happening. I don't understand like how we went backwards. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I wanted to bring up to you guys, because I know I, I personally as a Colorado fan, I'm where in Vegas, just because I said I was riding whoever West team come out of this, um, was this is a bold take, but I'm gonna bring it up to you guys that Samuel Gerard played like dog shit in game six. Genuinely did. Gen- he let out three goals because he refused to play defense and stood there like a fucking statue. Literally, go- guys go right around him. Yeah. So- yeah, yeah, he's not as good as they say he is. Right. Nolan, go ahead. I think you want to say something. Yeah. Go ahead, Nolan. It, it was ugly to watch. Um, I mean, Grubauer, Vesna contention, I think you take him right out of there, losing four in a row. I think that just eliminates him from the option. Yeah. Um, I mean, the team had it first two games. You would have thought it would have been a sweep at that point way they were playing but um i don't know vegas is wild and i mean is this something that we'll see with seattle right back at it like are they just trying to make these expansion trained teams competitive right away the answer to that is yes nolan and uh that also builds off to my next question uh (laughs) if who's gonna be taken by uh Seattle in the expansion draft, do you think it will be Sam Gerard or Ryan Graves? Because both of them are absolute dog water in this series. Ryan Graves was better than Gerard, just to be honest with you. 
Uh, Ryan Graves didn't play as good when Ryan Reeves pummeled his head in. So, I don't know. Man. Go ahead, Scotty. I was just saying, I don't think there was much of a difference. Yeah, this is got this one's got a thing for Colorado fans. You know, I'm not to you know hit TK while he's down, obviously, but yeah, I mean, I, would it be like would it be a fair statement to say that you guys had a better team this year than you did last year? Yeah. Even though consistently three years in a row now we lose in the second round. Yeah, and that's the thing. And another thing I kind of, you know, I don't want to start making these statements already, but I'm kind of starting to lean this way. Is Nathan McKinnon starting to become this generation's Joe Thornton? No, he's not. No. The guy just plays on great teams but never wins anything? No. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, he's – Think about it. Think about it, TK. I know you don't. I listen. I, I need you to. I need you to ch- put the phone card away for a little. Put it in the back pocket right now and ask yourself. Since Nate McKinnon stepped in, what's he actually won? I mean, you're right. What's he won? He's, you're right, but he's he's got the rest of the team failing him. I think. A, okay, and it's the same. It was the same deal with Joe. He's got a. He's got. A, he's got a rookie of the year award, and that's about it. That's, yeah. that's it. And then you look at that. Then you compare him to Joe Thornton. One second here. I mean, look at Joe Thornton. Once again, a guy who's played on a lot of great teams and really doesn't have a lot to show for it aside from that one MVP year in 0506. You know, I mean, I, I get that it's, you know, he's, he's heading in, he said himself, he's heading into year number nine or 10 or whatever, and he hasn't won anything. So I don't want to, you know, Put the guy on. I don't want to just put the guy on blast like that, but you got to really think about it. Yeah, he's, you know he's getting to the halfway point of his career, and he doesn't really have a lot to show for it. He got a rookie of the year award, but that's about all he's got to show for right now. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you to a point. I mean, a lot of times when we're all talking about top players in the league, though, you're putting up with you know Crosby, McDavid, Matthews, Nick McKinnon. You know, you're like. He's up there, but that's just because of what he's putting up with his points and totals and things like that. But he hasn't had – I mean, yeah, that team looks so strong and good every season. But you come to the playoffs, and there's always one or two pieces on that that played good all season that completely crapped themselves in the playoffs. And Gerard and Gray is being two of those pieces right there in this one. And that's a defense that was strong all season. Going up against Vegas, you need to be strong. You can't play like you're playing Ottawa or Columbus. For example, they're not deep enough. No, that's why I said that they're, they're, they're good, like, but they're not good enough. They're, they're not, not deep enough at forward. Yeah, center specifically. Another thing I want to build on exactly you touched on it, Dougie. I mean, you can trace a lot of this back to Nazem Kadri getting yes. that attention. That's honestly was the backbreaker. Your center depth was shot after Kadri was gone. That hurt. It hurts to have that to not have that guy. I mean. So and that's got to, you know, pose the question too. Is that a guy that you consider moving just because maybe he's not as reliable as he needs to be? I mean, how many more years is he going to, you know, not show up because, oh, he's, he's you know, he's on the shelf because he got suspended again, you know? He's, it's come to the point where like, okay, this guy's great when he plays, but unfortunately, it, anytime we get into a, a major situation, he's taking himself out of games because he has to kill somebody. And it's just, that's... That's just what it is. Yeah. You can honestly look at you can honestly look and say, "Hey, we had a good team and we had the center depth, and then Gaudi just takes himself out." It it honestly poses. I think it does pose the question. Maybe 
you know, I, I could be off base with that, but I mean, I don't know, man. I just don't know. I have one more player to bring up too, but no one, I think you wanted to, you were trying to say something too. Go ahead real quick. Yeah. Just sounds like a, uh, a team that I root for starting to get that feeling, you know, I was starting to think that too, Nolan. I'm like, man, this just kind of reminds me of when, you know, Ovi was muddling through his years, just not being able to win anything. Right. And granted, yeah, it's starting to look a little similar to that. And one Second more round exit. We got yeah. these big teams. We got the President's Trophy winners, and we can't, we haven't gotten to the conference finals yet. I don't think he hasn't made it past the second round yet, has he? No. Nope. McKinnon, he hasn't made it past the second round yet. Now, and another play I wanted to bring up is based just based on how many missed opportunities he has on the Colorado team for for pucks that he can get on his stick and get it right at the net is JT Confer. He couldn't sometimes he sometimes he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Okay, like it's just some of those opportunities that I see are ridiculous. Like you should have that easily in the back of the net, and you just either whiff on it or shoot it into into the uh, next you know galaxy over. Doug, go ahead. <laughs> Glad you brought it up because I think JT Confer is going to be the guy who goes to Seattle. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he's making three and a half million dollars against the cap. And, you know, it's one of those guys that makes you question why the hell is he making three and a half million dollars? You know, I, and like, I'll be honest with you, man, I was sick whenever I saw that he was their, their answer to play second line center after Codry got her, uh, suspended. So I'm like sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, you got Tyson Jost, who can play center. You have Alex Newhook, who can play center. You have so many other options, but you just literally force-fed JT Confer into the top six. I can't believe it. And as for Kadri, man, you got to try and move him. Um, I could see like – oh, shit, he has another trade call. That makes this even worse. Um, I was going to say trade him to Columbus for Domi. Because I feel like that makes sense in like just like a player for player swap. Domi would be a decent fit but, in Colorado. I agree. Yeah. 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 I also think that uh, this summer is going to be the summer that uh, Nate, uh, that uh, Jonathan Drouin finally uh, goes to Colorado and reunites with Nate. I, that's something that I want that's been on my radar and in my mind that I really want to happen. You know, and the big reason, honestly, the, we have to acknowledge this. The big reason that Colorado was so much better this year compared to last year, other than like their young guys were all another year older was Joe Sack. Joe Sack was able to turn Nikita Zadorov, who's one of the worst analytical defensemen in the league into Brandon Sock. Yes. You know, and he was awesome. Like he's great play driver, great driving possession. His out wins above replacement rating was in like the 78th percentile of the league the last time I checked it. And like that's a guy that when he hits the open market this this offseason, somebody's gonna give him like five times five or something big like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean you're totally on there, without a um, doubt, somebody's stupid. There we'll do it. The um, I know we touched on this last round as well because some of them were finished when we did the last show. Some of them weren't. Um, 
Montreal swept swept Winnipeg. I know we're not going to touch on this one. I know we touched on the last one, but they made you know they really made Winnipeg look, or Edmonton look bad. You know, as we talked about, um, because of Winnipeg sweeping them, and then they come out and sweep Winnipeg. We'll get to their matchup with Vegas here in a bit. Um, the Islanders versus Boston. I know that I don't think was quite done when we were on the last show. So let's talk that one. The Islanders pulling that off in six games. I mean, it's the Islanders. I mean, we've seen what Barry Trotz has done since he's left the Capitals. He's won, what, six series, seven series in five years? So, I mean, I think the Islanders have it right now. It was their time one of these years, I think. So, How long is the blame list in Boston got to be? I mean, who, who, how many people are getting the finger pointed at them right now? A lot less than Toronto. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, that list is still pretty hefty. Yeah. You got to figure Tuka Rask is getting some. You got to figure the refs are getting some. Those fans of TD Garden got to be getting some. Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy got to be getting some. The depth or lack thereof got to be getting some. The Jake DeBrusque is always getting some. The 2019 Bruins got to get some. Did I say the refs? Did I already say the refs? Because they get it again. And uh, the biased NHL has to get it again, right? I don't know. But, hey, I mean, just an under – It's an under – Really, it is. Listen, if we're talking blameless, if I started a Toronto Maple Leafs blameless, I'm literally – there's only one thing that needs to be on the list. It is quite literally they thought they didn't need Taylor Hall. I'm still – I'm never going to get over that. Like, you trade – you. what Taylor Hall went for was the Leafs equivalent of a 2021 second-round draft pick and Pierre Engvall. Essentially. But, but you still traded a first-round draft pick for Nick Foligno when he was already injured. It was already public knowledge he was injured. The most notable thing he did was fight Corey Perry. <laughs> For something that he shouldn't have even been fought. That didn't need to be fought over. A literal accident. Dude, that's like that's like in gang terms where it's like you hear gunshots for no reason, but like they're just like, you know what? I have to kill you. I don't know, man. This is ridiculous with where we're at. But with the island. Go ahead, Nolan. I was just going to say, um, like, Boston in that just rebuild stage now. You're at the moment where you can't get past a certain round, and, you know, they need something new. Uh, I won't go that far. I don't no, think that. I wouldn't go that far. Because you still have Marchand, who's still going to be productive. You still got Pasta. It seems like Taylor Hall's interested in coming back. So we'll see if they can manage to work that out. For once. Yeah, for once he's he's willing to come back. So, I mean, I, I won't say that the window is closed for Boston, but, man, I will say they're starting to run out of time. I think it's starting to run. I think the, the door starting to close a little bit unless they start to, you know, make some moves and make something happen, you know, in a matter of time because your core is getting old. You know, Krejci's 34. 
Bergeron's 35, Rask is 33. So there are some certain elements to the team that are starting to age, but I feel like those can be, you know, easily fixed. But if they choose not to and just stick with those guys, then, yeah, I'd say that their uh, time start to run out. But, man, Islanders just got it going on. Kyle Palmieri has stepped up huge for those guys in that series. He was big. Matt Barzell remembered to score goals, so that was a huge factor for them too. And uh, even Pajot and Josh Bailey were doing their thing. And uh, even Varlamov is also playing well. You know, he went from, it's like, okay, this guy's going to be the Islanders version of Marc-Andre Fleury and watch the young up-and-comers sort of, you know, take the reins. And now he's like, oh, hold on a minute. I'm still here. And now he's kind of taken back over, and he seems to be riding all that momentum into the conference fi- – or not the conference finals, but the semifinals at this point. So, yep, definitely not the definitely not time to sleep on the Islanders. This might, uh, this might be a team that can – Make it to the Stanley Cup final. And then um, I don't know. Did we touch on did, did Tampa was Tampa and Carolina finished the last show we did, or was that game in progress? It was in progress, but like it was basically like we talked about it. It was just like the Hurricanes are dead. Yeah, they are. Like, four four one win for Tampa. There's nothing, there's nothing they can do. Also, fun thing about Carolina that came out today. Dougie Hamilton is able to talk to teams already. Wow about a contract and they could do a sign and trade. Hmm. Yeah. So that's an interesting little mid playoff uh, trade nugget that's going around. Interesting. You know, and the big thing with that is I don't think they'll be able to sign similar to how, like, remember how the year before Petrangelo left St. Louis, they just had to have Justin Falk taking up that cap money. They're in the same issue with Brady Shea. Yeah. You know? And they're going to replace Dougie Hamilton with Brady Shea, who is nowhere near capable of doing what Dougie Hamilton is. The truth is, Dougie Hamilton should be a Norris Trophy candidate consistently. It's just they run that entire trophy voting system based off of reputation and not, like, actual play. Right. So, yeah. Um, I know before before we talk about some other stuff, I know we uh, want to bring up a couple of players that might be signed by certain teams. And we want to talk about the Rangers with news just come out today. Um, before we get to all that, like we normally do, let's touch on the last two that are currently in progress. So the, these semifinal uh, matchups here. Um, but, so let's start with the one that's already has a game in with Tampa and, and the Islanders. Um, the Islanders lead that one one nothing. Uh, it was. A close game, though, to be honest. Um, Matt Barzell had a nice little sweet goal going on there for the first to open up the scoring in that series. So um, let's make some little predictions on that. Maybe talk about that one. We'll move to the other one, and then we'll move on from there. So Islanders, uh, Lightning, let's go. let's go with that one. I don't really have a prediction for it. Um, but that goal that Ryan Pollock scored was nasty. Like, I know we use the term piss missile in baseball. But that shot was an absolute piss. Like, unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, got this weird feeling the Islanders are going to do the damn thing. And that, uh, you know, they're just going to go do it. And nobody's going to know how or why. It's just going to happen. And we're all going to have to live with it. We're going to have to live with the consequences of, you know, 
the Cal Clutterbucks and the Matt Martins of the world getting national praise. And, you know, it'll probably cause, you know, some random NHL GMs within the league to get poopy pants and get into a bidding war for Nick Delorier or some shit. So I'm not prepared for that, but that's going to happen. Yeah, no. Listen, <laughs> I would be, Scotty, I would be shaking right now. I would be sitting in a corner shaking if Jim Rutherford were still the general manager of the Penguins. <laughs> if Jim Rutherford were still GM, he would already be here. Let's just be honest. He would already be here. He wouldn't and he would have traded Brian Russ to get him. Yes, probably. Sure. Brian Russ would be skating on a line with Trevor Zegers and Max Comtois next season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That actually sounds nasty, though. It does. See, don't want it to happen. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I mean – yeah, I'm kind of sick at the idea that Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck have a shot at winning a Stanley Cup before before a lot of other guys do. It's honestly kind of, you know, not sitting well with me at the moment. But give credit where credit's due. This Islanders team, I feel like they're going to learn from last year's, you know, shortcomings. They know how to play this Tampa team. They know what they have to do in order to take them down. And I feel like they've, you know, they don't even need to play – all that outstanding offensively with the way Varlamov's been in net. I mean, this don't get me wrong. I definitely see this series going the distance, but I'm going to lead towards the Islanders here. I'm usually, you know, usually I'm the guy who's who's rooting for Tampa Bay, but I'm going to go with the Islanders in this one. I think the Isles got it in seven. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'd totally go in seven as well, honestly. I just think – I think it will be a back-and-forth series. Um, you know, that first game only was two to one, but I definitely think – We'll see some games that are up there, you know, five to four, six, five. I could see them easily going. I also could see a double overtime game here because why not? That's true. You who's going to score the double OT winner of that game? Probably Matt Matt Martin. Martin. Puck is going in off Matt Martin's ass cheek. Yeah. (laughs) Matt Martin's going to be looking in a completely different direction. The puck's going to glance off his leg and go in behind Vasilevsky. Off a shot from Cal Clutterbuck. He's going to start pumping like he dangled through through Victor Hedman's legs. No, the shot's going to come from Andy Green. Uh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) 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 And the secondary assist is going to come from Travis Zajac because, of course, why not? And it's going to be – and it's not even going to be the fact that Zaychak was on the ice. It's going to be one of those, like, rare secondary assists from a dude that's on the bench because he sat up the play and then went to the bench. Um, yeah, and the other one – If, we'll if that happens, it, yeah. if that happens, I have permission to tweet on the floor checking account. Fuck it, Matt Martin Askell. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. You have, you, have, you have a login for a reason there, Doug. By the way, if anyone was wondering, Doug runs our social media page. Yes. <laughs> Doug does run social media. Doug runs the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, the other one, Montreal and Vegas. Game one is uh, about to drop here. It might have already dropped. It was a 9 o'clock game tonight. Um, this is a, a, a weird one because no one expected Montreal to be here. Uh, and they're going up against a hot Vegas Golden Knights team. And does Montreal have a shot? Yes. Yes. I keep sa- – I, I said it the last time I was on, and I'll say it again. They have nothing to lose. 
They have no business being here. So what do they care if they lose anyway? They're not supposed to be here. They're playing like they have nothing to lose, and really they don't. They're going to keep doing this. And I can honestly see them making a push here for the Stanley Cup. I don't know if maybe this, maybe the kryptonite is the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know. It's a real, This is a tough one to predict. It's not like in the past where, you know, it's like, okay, well, you, know, you can sort of decide who's going to be, you know, it's kind of a clear-cut winner this one's not one that i can easily determine with you know you have a team that on paper should be here they barely finished above 500 yet here they are in the semifinals four wins away from a stanley cup final appearance somehow they're able to make it happen i'm gonna go with the golden knights on this one just because for whatever reason i feel like they can't choke away again you know they can't choke it away for the third year in a row i feel like they have to you know, make another appearance in the Stanley Cup final again. But again, this one's, I could see it going the distance as well. So, um, real quick before anybody else jumps in, Scotty, I know you weren't in last show and I brought this up. So, I wanted to throw it to you real quick. Um, I brought up last show, I talked with Doug and the hockey troll about it. If you're from, from our perspective as advanced hockey fans, you know, looking at a team like Montreal, we see a lot of that upcoming new talent, you know, coming in the league, like Jesper Kakaniemi. Uh, Cole Caulfield plays like players like that. But from an average hockey fan's perspective, who just watch play, people who just watch hockey and only know the big names, you're looking at Montreal as a team of no names making a run to the semifinal, other than like Carey Price and Corey Perry and players like that. You know what I mean? Like all these younger guys, as an average fan, they don't know who they are. Exactly. I mean, they're you look at guys like, like you said, Perry and Shea Weber are essentially has beens. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that the most value that in that one for one with Weber and Subban that Weber was kind of a valuable addition? Who'd have thought yeah. it? Honestly, it's really been shocking that he's had the biggest impact in his um, in that trade for his uh, you know specific team, but he has. You know, he's really straightened out the defensive core on that back end. And I think that's why one of the reasons why they've been so sustainable is that he's showed a lot of these young, younger defensemen, hey, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to play. And it's worked. They've been able to sustain a lot of defensive uh, stability, and that's why they're able to be in the position that they're in right now. So, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> you don't know why, but you just accept it for what it is. And lucky for Mark Bergevin, he's going to get another great extension for this run. You know he's going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is just unbelievable, like, how Montreal has been able to come together. But, um, you know, when you're, de- when you're two big defensive guys on the right side are Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie, you're doing something right, man. Like, everybody talks about how, like, they're kind of like just like boring players and kind of like semi-obsolete, but like they both can still move. Like they can still move the puck up the ice. They can still push play up the ice and they're so solid defensively. Um, it's crazy, you know? And I mean, I just, I want Montreal and the Islanders to make it to the Stanley Cup just because I don't know what the hell would happen. It would literally be a six or seven game just – mess also since we're on montreal um 
I was listening to another podcast this week. I was listening to Full On Two Sports Talk, and they had um, our guy uh, Danny from Penn's blog on, and they were talking about the Penguins getting bigger and stronger. And he said, like, the only person he said he's looked at numbers and stuff and like metrics and things of that nature. And the only person that he would want the Penguins to pursue, if available, uh, would be Joel Armia um, if he hits the market. Thoughts on that? I think it's interesting. I also think it's a very simple, seamless way to replace somebody on the Blues line whenever you inevitably lose one of Seattle. I won't totally object to it. You said it was Armia, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I won't totally object to the idea, but at the same time, I'm a little shaky about it too. You know, I just, mm-hmm. you know, Armia is kind of like, he kind of has like the Max Talbot factor where he's a big game performer. Yes. But, you know, is it going to be worth dragging him along for an 82 game season? You know what I mean? So, that's yeah, my- and that's my thing. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what he does outside of those like two or three games where he looks like a world beater. So, yeah. I don't know. I think for them, they could probably just look. I mean, they have plenty of options to use throughout the season that had size yeah. and younger. And Jello. Yeah. I mean, I think you could easily incorporate them instead of looking for that sort of thing, because at some point, most likely in the future, if you keep them around, you're going to need them. So why not, if the opportunity is there to play third, fourth line minutes, why not get them in there? Yeah, and I think that's what um, – just something that Pittsburgh as a whole needs to get better at doing is, like, using some of these depth guys that they have in the minors and things of that nature, because look at how many people from the 16 and 17 runs that were just, like, black aces and extra skaters – that are actual competent NHLers now that Jim Rutherford just kind of like threw in a trash basket and was like, you know, I mean, he literally traded Josh Archibald away because he was pissed off that they've lost to like a Western conference team in the middle of February. I mean, that same thing you could say with the Capitals as well. I mean, you saw all those guys now where they're at, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Burkowski, Colorado, sorry, TK, but Colorado. Uh, yeah. I mean, Stevenson, Stevenson right up there, Vegas, Grubauer, Colorado. Sorry, DK. Um, I mean, Schmidt, he had some prime days when he was playing in Vegas and then Vancouver. I mean, the it's, biggest one of them all is going to be Jacob Brown. Yeah. And I mean, we saw what he did right away coming in yeah. Detroit. Yeah. It's crazy. It's craziness. Pain. So, yeah, lots of pain. So, do we want to get into the Rangers now? Real quick, before we do, I just want okay. – I wasn't on last time, so I want to, like, make my peace with the whole Mark Shifley situation with that hit. Do it. I remember he put the quote out after the series was over saying, I thought I was going to be trying to be shut down by Philippe Deneau. Instead, it was the Department of Player Safety that shut me down. Um, I mean, maybe if you didn't – act like Vontaze perfect on skates, you would have, you wouldn't have had to deal with that problem, but 
I just that just wasn't I don't know what he's what he thought was going to happen there you know just guy I mean that's just a clown comment to say by him but yeah that's I just wanted to get that off my chest real quick because I saw that comment I literally laughed out loud because I couldn't believe he was actually mad at the Department of Player Safety for actually doing their job for yeah, it's funny how many of these younger guys like Shifley and a couple other guys that you think of like notably, like how many of them like still have like that old time hockey type of mentality. It, it just blows me away because like, you know, you have some people that are really into like the analytics movement and into like the speed and skill movement. And then you have guys like Mark Shifley who think it's okay to like basically kill someone and try to put them in the hospital. I don't know, man. It's crazy. But now we're talking about analytics movement and speed and skill. Uh, you know, everybody's favorite analytics head coach, Gerard Gallant, is back in the NHL. He's reported today he's been hired to be the next head coach of the New York Rangers. It's going to be a four-year deal. And I think this is the most perfect thing that could have happened to the Rangers in terms of like hiring somebody. The only other coach in the league that I would have, or that's like in like a league's coaching circle that I would have wanted would have been Jeremy Colleton if he got it fired in Chicago. But this is probably the best possible scenario because I feel like everywhere Gallant has gone, he's coached young talent and inexperienced guys. And, um, I mean, what he did in Vegas in that short period of time speaks for itself. And a lot of us forget that he was the head coach in Columbus uh, whenever Rick Nash first came in. You know, he's very um, in tune with working with these young superstar players to, who need a little bit of help putting it all together. Um, I mean, we all know that Rick Nash wasn't, an amazing talent whenever he first came in. Like there were a couple nice walking highlight real goals he had, but he didn't have anything else around him, you know. But now with guys like Lafreniere and Capo Caco, you know, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, guys like that, they have talent around them. And uh, we touched on it last week with Hockey Troll that out of all the teams that are rebuilding right now, the Rangers are in the best position to succeed not because of all the guys that I just mentioned, but just simply because Igor Shosturkin is the best goalie out of every team in the league that is um, close to the finishing stages of the rebuild. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Gallant definitely going to make a difference there. Um, yeah, I think for the Rangers, still definitely need some pieces. Um yeah, I don't think they become a playoff team right away. But, I mean, they definitely, I think, you know, try to, you know, get something or do something big over the offseason maybe. And from there, I think you – I think you got a good stepping stone. I means the bandage ad's still in his prime. Same with Panarin. You got Shesterkin now coming up. Everyone else, you said Doug. Um, yeah, I just think they need that. You know, even if it's a bottom six forward or somebody, I just think they kind of need it. Because after the first two lines, it's like, who, who's on the Rangers anymore? Because you just don't – you don't hear many of the bottom six guys as much. 
Yeah, the only notable like bottom six guy they have is Philip Heedle. And he's very just hit or miss at times as well. Yeah, you know. And like I'm starting to question, like, do they get on in on Jack Eichel? I think they could acquire Jack Eichel without giving up anything major. You know, um, Ryan Strom has turned himself into one hell of a trade trip over the past two to three years with what he's been able to do with Panarin. And I think that he has the ability to like help them net a big player like this, you know, maybe, I mean, you're obviously going to have your first round pick involved and they have a lot of really good prospects and young players outside of Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere. So like, they have a couple really good defensive prospects, you know, throw one of them in there, maybe use Morgan Barron or trade Philip Heedle in the package as well and go get yourself Jack Ike. Or if you want to be safer and more conservative, just trade a first-round pick to Calgary for Sean Monaghan. Because yeah. that guy's going to get moved. Yeah, they need something either. There's plenty of good options they could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think defense are okay at the moment. Definitely could probably use somebody, but I think the major need there is another offensive key player that can help them out. Yeah, they remind me a lot of where the Penguins were at right before they traded for Marion House. Like, they have – all the pieces they need to succeed. They just need that, like, one. There's one or two things that get them over the hump. You know what I mean? Exactly. Also, oh, off, off topic, I didn't realize Ben uh, Chariot still played for Montreal as well. Yeah, he's actually not bad. Yeah. I didn't know he played yeah, for him, though. He's been decent. I um, I really I like him. He's a, he's a really good player. He's somebody that I wanted the Penguins to get whenever they were going into the summer of hell with Jack Johnson. Yeah. Doug, I know you brought some uh, stuff up. We've talked about it in our little chat we have going on, but um, people you'd want to bring into the Penguins, and I know you mentioned Tuka Rask. Um, I mean – So let's talk about this a little bit. That was more or less like me messing around and just having a random thought, but like – I wouldn't mind it. I think it could work, but I think ultimately if we're talking from a sense and logic standpoint, Tuca is going to resign in Boston and do them a solid and take a cap hit. That's hardly anything that's detrimental to their cap situation. Um, the big guy that I want though, to be run a one, a one B with Tristan Jari is I'm a huge Linus Allmark guy. I am basically the conductor of that train. You know, he has like a 925 career save percentage in Buffalo on teams that were that bad. Like, we're talking like three of the, I, I think three out of the five years he's been in the league, they've gotten the first overall pick or at least a top five pick. You know, and I think. He's somebody you bring in, run him with Jari. Maybe use the Smith as like a sweetener in a deal or use him as like compensation for Seattle to not take like 
Tanev or something. Who knows? Now, here's a fun one because it's a big debate now, especially that Malkin got his knee done. Who are your seven forwards that you protect? Obviously, Crosby. All right. So, like, obviously, you're doing Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Jared McCann. Apparently, now I think I'll have to protect Jeff Carter because, I mean, it's not like they're going to see I was going to take Jeff Carter, but like with Malkin getting his knee done, if they do take Jeff Carter, that puts you in predicament. You know, but like they'll 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 have to protect Jeff Carter, and I mean, probably going to be Kapanen, right? He's played well enough. Yeah, I personally protect Eddie Bluger, but like, if you lose Kapanen in the expansion draft a year after. You know, Grandpappy Jim traded a first-round draft pick and a top prospect for him. That does not look good. You know, that does not look good at all. It's just like the fact that they probably have to protect Jeff Carter now, there's a curveball in everything because it makes all the sense in the world to protect Bluger and Kampanen both on top of the five guys that I mentioned before. And, you know, let Seattle have to make a tough decision. You know, dangle Jason Zucker's $5.5 million cap hit out there. Dangle Brandon Tanev's long-ass term of a contract out there. You know, Zach Aston Reese potentially out there as well. You know, and on defense, you got an interesting one too because, like, you know, Marcus Patterson or Mike Matheson. I think you protect Pedersen because he has – he's more of a trade asset so you changed your to mind. you than Mike Matheson would be. Yeah. Just simply because Marcus Pedersen would be more of a trade asset to you. You know, if you need a middle six winger after you lose somebody in expansion, you trade Marcus Pedersen for that middle six winger and potentially an additional asset, and you don't have to deal with – needing to make room for POJ next year. Just let POJ play on the third pairing with Cody CC or whoever else it may be. Because it's not a guarantee that Cody CeCe's back either. You right. know? Right. Now, in the unlikely event that Mike Matheson and Marcus Patterson both end up packing their ship this summer, um, who do you want them to bring in to play with John Marino? I don't know. Like, Scotty, I thought that's you. Yeah, I'm throwing I was trying to throw it to Scotty. I'm bouncing. The big one around. I was thinking of was uh John Merrill from yeah. Montreal. I'm looking at some I'm just I'm looking just at, you know, potential UFAs that would hit the market this uh yeah. off season. I mean, let me see what we got here. Most notable one that pops up is Alexander Edler, but I don't really feel that one. 
35 year old defenseman with eight points and he played a full season. I'm not really rocking with that idea. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, do we consider bringing in a Mark Stahl? I don't think so either, but I mean, I would light myself on fire if they signed Mark Stahl. Um, that would be worse than signing Jack Johnson, actually. Another one here. Um, this is kind of, uh, you know, bringing back a, a name of the past here, a veteran, a veteran president. No, actually. I don't <laughs> really. No, I was, I was going to go. Doug was all in his feels. He's like, I'm a Jamie Alexiak. Yeah. Sorry, disappointed. Sorry, you just you. Uh, <laughs> I was going to go. I was, I was thinking Alex Goligoski. Okay, that's popped in my head a couple of times over the past like month and a half here too, actually. What? Yeah. Yeah. Because, listen, Marino is more of a defensive defenseman. Goligoski has that offensive aspect to him. Good two-way defenseman. I think that would be a nice, solid marriage as a second pairing. And also still has the ability to get those points, too. He had 22 and 56 this year. So, you know, not something, you know, not, especially for a defenseman of that age, too. Not anything to sleep on. By any and means. probably doing it with second power play minutes, not mm-hmm. top power play minutes, because OEL, that's actually pretty damn good. Yep. Have I told you guys about my theory? What's this theory? All those guys come back in like two or three years and they all come out like last the dance. Bulls last dance style. Yeah, yeah, we have heard this. The one. Jordan Stall yeah. comes back and yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, yeah. you even threw Florida in there, didn't you? So it would be Stall, Sid, Gino, Flurry, and Latang, obviously, and then probably like Golgossi or somebody like that. Yeah, because I mean, you look at some of the some of those older guys don't believe in play anymore. Like Brooks Orbick doesn't play. We convinced yeah, we convinced Tyler Kennedy to come out of retirement to seal up the third line. Mark Scuderi, <laughs> dude, I was just I was just talking about uh, what were we said. No, said you may as well just get Aaron Ashton while you're at it too. You'll get real physical real quick. Just like, oh, my God, we need some grit and toughness out of nowhere. Uh, like, imagine Jim Rutherford still the GM during this whole grit and toughness need. And it's like they cut a WWE promo, and the arena goes black, and there's a spotlight. There's a spotlight going up to the 200 level of PPG Paints Arena, and they appear. It's Jim Rutherford and Tanner Glass. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner, who? <laughs> Either that or else the arena goes pitch black, the DX theme song starts cut playing, and Zach Sill and Bobby Farnham come out. Tanner, two pack of ass. Zach Sill? No, no, oh Zach gosh. Sill. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. That man was he, he is playing Hershey. Wasn't he the captain in Hershey? He was an assistant. <laughs> oh, that, that causes me physical pain, actually. Matt Molson was the captain of Hershey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I was going to say something actually meaningful before we threw this off the rails. Well, let's get let's let's stay off the rails for a second because I thought of well, yeah, yeah. Actually, let's go back on to it now. No, 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 let's let's stay off the rails. I want to know what you were going to say. <laughs> I was just going to bring up another name that I saw here that's uh, eligible for free agency, and I'm thinking, you know, 
he's another once again another old penguin. Ian Cole. Do you think yeah. I'm back? Mm. Dude, I have listen. I have a weird emotional attachment to Ian Cole. He was just the guy just did his freaking job, man. Like he didn't really do anything special, but like he just he did the damn thing. Like he was good. He was good. Nobody complained about him. He didn't do anything egregious. It was great. He made Justin Schultz look like a Norris Trophy winner. True. You know? Also, once again, anytime I acknowledge Justin Schultz on this podcast, shout out to Justin Schultz's agent for being really good at his job. (laughs) Good on you for getting him another four-year, $5 million a year contract because that's wild. With Washington. Wild times. Yeah. Even better, even better. But um, you know us and defenders, we go real well. Yeah, we like our old defenders. Yeah, we don't like we don't like young on our team. We like you old. missed it, Nolan. You have to go back and watch us talk about last week uh, with uh, my buddy Hockey Troll. We think the Capitals are going to be just suspect next year, and it's just going to be. OV scoring a shitload of goals from the left circle when they finish like 18th in the league. Is going to be ripping, ripping the puck from everywhere? Because he's he's going to get this record no matter what. He's yeah. going to play. No, Sergey Ovechkin has to play in the league. Oh my God. No, we were talking. Um, I think there's a realistic chance that he can get Gretzky's goal record, retire the next day, and then go break the KHL goal record. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he could. Because the KHL goal record's only like 370. Yeah. I think it could work. Um, it's just like mid-season, breaks the record, gone. See you guys, done. Yeah, like they, they play they play him – in these games, it's almost like uh, how they just like you know how like they just let Putin walk in and score. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what's gonna be in the yeah. KHL. They just like that's how it's gonna go. Also, this is one of those times where I just want you guys to know, I have not been drinking. Wow, is that not a surprise? I'm just- um. I'm thinking of like you see all the highlights of Putin playing hockey where no one goes within 10 feet of him because they're just scared to even touch the guy. Like the goalies literally jump out of the way so that way they don't have a chance of stopping the puck. That's what it's going to be like whenever Ovi goes back to the KHL. Guys just want to get the record so they just move. <laughs> <It's> unreal. <laughs> they surround him with the best players too. They'll, they'll, they'll tell Radulov he has to go back to Russia. <laughs> oh, gee, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be him. Uh, it'll be Ovi, that Vadim Sipichev from Vegas, and uh, Radulov just tearing it up. No, but I don't know, man. The whole thing's nuts. Um, I have no idea what the Penguins are going to do. Um, I'm excited to know that we're going into an off season where we have no idea what's going to happen in a positive manner, not in a inciting fear and panic. I'm going to trade Jared McCann for Miles Wood type of way. 
you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, to yeah. close this out, would you trade Brian Rust knowing that he's probably not going to sign an extension? No. Scotty. Uh, see, that's a tough one because part of me looks at it and says you can slide another player in with Sid and he'll be fine. But at the same time, it's like that line has been one of, if not the best ones that the Penguins have had consistently over the last, you know, two or three years. Do you risk breaking that up? Yeah. And Obviously, like you said, you don't think Russ is going to sign. You know, that's probably going to be the case. I I think it's worth it because if he's up – I mean, everyone's going to be up for free agency that year. Gino's going to yeah. be one. So's Rust. So's, uh, you know, Dang. Carter. So's Latang. So's uh, – who else? Even to Smith. So, I mean, there's mm-hmm. going to be several guys who will be up for free agency. So, at that point – you might as well just, you know, put all your, you know, put all your cash, all your chips in. Might as well, I think. So I don't yeah. think you trade. I think you do what you got to do and just, you know, say, hey, we're going to, this guy, he's always been, he's been one of our most consistent players. Honestly, if you think about it, Brian Russ has been the Penn's most consistent goal scorer over the last two seasons. Yeah. Like we'll he talk. literally, um, he literally single handedly replaced Phil Kessel. Yeah. So, it's- ridiculous you trade that away i don't think so i think you got to keep him around and ride it out if things don't work out okay fine at least you went down with the guys that you know can help you yeah the only way i'd trade him the only way i'd trade him was like like let's say they dangle him around and ottawa comes up and is like we'll give you a second round pick which is essentially a late first and connor brown because Connor Brown just seems like a guy that would thrive with Sid for the next two to three years. He's under contract for the same cap hit that Russ makes right now. So in terms of asset management, it would just be like, you know, patching the wheel and just keeping going. Yes. I don't know. But honestly, ride with him because – you know, my big thing is, is like, if you do trade that guy, you're going to trade him out west because play against you and yep, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. The only time he would potentially play against you would be in the Stanley Cup final, right? And you know, you trade him for a Western Conference player. What if that player comes over and shits the bed? You know, similar to what Tanner Pearson happened with Tanner Pearson. You know, because, like, again, that's another guy. Like, it sucks they traded Carl Hagelin that year because they could have really used Carl Hagelin. I mean, they tried reacquiring him at the deadline, but then I guess Jim Rutherford was unaware that you cannot reacquire players you retain salary on. <laughs> because, of course. I mean, we're talking about the guy who uh, got into a legitimate argument at a press conference last summer saying, oh, I didn't add salary in trade. And then he was like, then he had like an existential moment. He was like, holy shit, I did actually add like an extra two million when I was trying to clear cash. So I don't know, guys, but uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else before we uh, close it out here? We touched on everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we hit everything. Well, uh, all right, then for the meantime, you know, we're in the semifinals. So for the rest of the viewers out there, go ahead and watch some hockey. Montreal and Vegas on right now in uh, game two of the Islanders Tampa Bay Lightning series tomorrow night. Uh, so be sure to watch that and stay up to date with it. We'll have another episode next week at some point. Um, Nolan, we want to, we wanted to thank him for joining us. He's not in here and had, had to hop out. So, uh, Nolan, we thank you for joining here, but, um, on behalf of myself, Scotty and Doug, uh, thank you as always for joining us and we will see you next week right here on Four checking TV.